This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Today on Stick to Football, we are breaking down college football week six. Yes, we are at week six, and God, that is depressing. It is fall finally in Missouri. Connor's still rocking the hoodie. You would know that if you were watching this on YouTube, Bleach Report's YouTube channel. Look for the Stick to Football playlist. Welcome to the Friday show. Mello and I kind of matched today. We are basic white boys today <laughs> with our, our flannel on. I got my pumpkin spice latte over on the side from some coffee place that we won't mention. Did your uh, did your guys' mom dress you the same when you were kids? <laughs> this morning we did, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, I thought you meant today. Uh, only, no, because one, we were poor, and two, we were the same size, so Mello just stole my clothes. <laughs> yeah, so there was right. no dressing us the same. No separate dresser at the Miller household. It was just uh, who wants to wear which shirt today. Exactly. Yeah, today's my day to wear it. We do have some updates for you guys before we get into what's going to be a really fun show. Our Kansas City tailgate, we're just a couple days away. October 6th, Lot J. We will be taking over Lot J at 3 p.m. Operation Barbecue will be there. Our friends from Mid-America RV, we're going to have the tailgate uh, RV there like we had at Ohio State, Michigan. It's going to be a great time. Come out, party with us. There, there's going to be food. There's going to be drinks. We're going to be recording the podcast live from there. And the Lot J crew, they are, I didn't know this, they are legendary. There's going to be several hundred people showing up to this thing. They're like a big family that tailgates together every week. So that's going to be a blast. And we now have details for our Dallas, Texas uh, tailgate event. We're going to be taking over Off the Cuff, which is in Deep Ellum. It's right across the street from Fair Park, basically. So if you want to go to the game, you'll be close enough. We'll be taking over. They're actually opening early for us. So 9 a.m., we're going to be in there probably doing boozy breakfast, recording the podcast, and then we'll stay there to watch Texas get their ass kicked by OU. Ooh, so that's damn, what we hope going It's on. like that, huh? It's going to happen. I'm I'm worried. I'm really looking forward to our next two tailgates. Uh, sometimes we get back from the road and it's like, oh my God, I have to go back out. But going to Kansas City, pretty short trip for us. And I'm really looking forward to the Lot J and, and everything that they have to offer there. The high temperature is like 66, oh, God, which yes. is perfect. It's supposed to hold off on the rain. Very, very excited about that tailgate. And then the Texas OU one. Uh, we'll get to see Andrew Magnuson again. I guess that's all I have to I'm look forward to. To see Mags and Tyler. That's, <laughs> that's it. about it. Yeah, tailgater of the year, Mags. My goodness. He is, uh, he's racking them up, so get on his level. Uh, moving on from the tailgate tour, which has been crazy, and I know a lot of people have also been asking about London plans. We're going to have those locked in uh, for all you yep. guys. Next week, we'll make the announcement of where we'll be in London that weekend. So a lot going on with the tailgate tour. The Jaguars say they won't trade Jalen Ramsey. I think this is a good move. I know you guys might be sitting over there and a little disappointed that maybe the Chiefs won't get in on the action. <laughs> but when it comes down to it, this is a team competing right now, and I think this is a franchise kind of player. Do you think this relationship can be repaired? I don't, and I know we've talked a lot about this on the show before. I, I love one of you guys said, you know, like money fixes everything. 
Let me tell you, from some previous relationships, it doesn't fix everything. It makes things more complicated sometimes. I, I think that Ramsey, I mean, he's still not practicing. So it's not like they're saying, oh, we won't trade you. And he's like, okay, well, let me just come back then and play for you. He's still not there. I, I actually don't know. Was he, Did the kid get born? You know, like he missed a game because of, like mm-hmm. for the birth of his child. I never saw a birth announcement. I, yeah, I never heard about I don't that know. either. I don't know if there's a kid or not. This, I don't this, know Was either. there ever? Is this right. a yeah, Mante Teo situation? Isn't that weird, though? You would expect like... Something I haven't seen. I haven't seen a kid yet. Maybe I mean, we're living in a bubble here, and we just haven't seen the birth announcement on Instagram. Yeah. But I don't think that it's going to fix itself. I really don't. When a player says I want traded, and then he has been injured or absent ever since, I feel like they're getting to a point where. And, and I actually wrote about this for Scouting Notebook tomorrow, and I'll steal my own content and tell you what I said. Jalen Ramsey is under roster control for seven years if the Jacksonville Jaguars want him to be. They have a fifth-year option, and they can franchise him twice. This is his chance to get out of town if he wants to. So this is it. This is his shot. And if he really wants out, if it's really a broken relationship, he has to stick to his plan here. Yeah, I agree with you. I I do think that money can fix most things. He might not come back and say, oh, I love being in Jacksonville, but I do think that they could throw money his way and get him to stay because he is under roster control for a long time. And when the owner's coming out and just blatantly saying, we're not trading this guy, I believe him. I don't think he's bluffing here. If he really wanted to move him, I think he would. So we'll see what happens with Jalen Ramsey. If I were betting on it today, I I think that he will suit up for the Jaguars again this season, especially with the way that they're playing. They they might be a playoff team, and I just don't see Jalen Ramsey being the competitor that he is sitting out playoff games. I, I don't think this is going to be an A-B situation where he's you know, chucking up the deuces on week 17 and standing <laughs> on the sideline for a half of a game. Yeah, maybe he has hopes he goes to a team like Kansas City or like the Eagles. I think Jacksonville ideally would trade him out of the conference, but listen, if Gardner Minshew keeps leading them to wins, at what point are you just like, hey, this team's winning right now. I'm going to come back. I'm going to worry about me. And then we'll worry about this in the offseason. Hopefully they can get to a point where that's the solution rather than if you're Jacksonville right now, why do you want to? How big is this market right now? There's only so many teams that are willing to give away first round picks and the contract situation and hit the cost for him is gigantic. And I think there's been all the rumors around the Eagles because they need corner help and they are believed to be a contender. But at the end of the day, this is probably not the ideal time to trade him if you're Jacksonville. Yeah, especially when the owner, Shad Khan, comes out and says, we don't want to trade yeah. him. Let's move on, though, to the quarterback position in Jacksonville. I think this is a really interesting question for what we do here at Stick to Football. If you guys, uh, if if Tom Coughlin steps aside and says, Mello and Connor, we want you to come around the team, you have to make a decision very soon on Nick Foles or Gardner Minshew. Nick Foles was the prize of free agency. They signed him to a starting quarterback deal. But then you get Gardner Minshew, who has been red hot. But Nick Foles signed a four-year, $88 million contract. What do you guys do moving forward at the quarterback position? I, I already know what I would do, and I think you guys know what I would do. But I'm interested to hear your take on this. See, I, I don't think you do have to move on from Nick Foles, though. I think you let Minshew play out this season and see if he can kind of ride this train and, and keep up what he's doing. And if he can, then, all right, maybe he's our starting quarterback, a la the Seattle Seahawks when they paid all that money to Matt Flynn and then went and drafted Russell Wilson He won the job. He was the better quarterback. That's working out for him okay. Now, that big contract is going to be hard to move. If you're Nick Foles, maybe at the end of the year, you explore teams with like Cincinnati or you see who wants to come and offer you something for him. But if Gardner Minshew is getting the job done, 
you drafted him in the sixth round. That's a low dollar sign there. That $1 sign on Yelp is what you're getting <laughs> Minshew for. So I think you stay with that for a while and see if you can build around him as long as he is playing well. Uh, the second I think that it starts to go bad, then you're probably going to want to hold on to Nick Foles. He's been a good, reliable backup in the past. So if you need him, he can come right back in and take you to and a And he Super is Bowl. eligible to return week 11. So they're getting, they might have a decision to make in a couple weeks as opposed yeah. to when the season's over. Connor, how do you play this You thing? ride the hot hands, but I don't know if that hand will still be hot that far down the road from now. I'm excited about Gardner Minshew. Uh, I hope that we were wrong and undervalued him. We're going to talk about our top five rookies later on in the show and where we had them projected. But if he's playing like this, you roll with Gardner Minshew. Now it's interesting. I know Matt is on the trade everyone bandwagon. So, yep. yep there it but is. like Mello said, I'm looking at this contract right now. Fifty million dollars guaranteed. Of course, a significant portion of those guarantees are tied into the next two years. I don't really know who is willing to take on this contract right now. That's my biggest question. And yep. I think at the end of the day, it, they might be excited. Nick Foles is back, and you know. At that point of the season, I don't want to write. I think Gardner's been great. We have to see it keep going. Yeah, I will say I think Nick Foles, you can get out of that contract after the 2020 season, I believe. So there is a potential out. And like Melo said, you got that one dollar sign on Gardner Minshew's review. You can look at this as, okay, how much are we paying our quarterback room? It's still very manageable. I just don't know that Nick Foles is going to be happy once again being replaced and being the backup. I am team trade almost everyone to win in the NFL, to build a team. You need a rookie quarterback contract or you need someone like Tom Brady, whose wife is a Brazilian supermodel and is willing to take significantly less than his market value to build a team around. So or taking money under the that's table. That's the for more likely nutrition. <laughs> one of yeah. the two or the Dak Prescott <laughs> side of things where it's, hey, it, you make more money being the quarterback of the Cowboys. So we're going to give you a discounted deal. Right, whatever it takes. You got to get the deal done. If listen, I would rather have Gardner mention than Nick Foles. He's already looked better than Nick Foles. Can we can we admit that that Nick Foles looks pretty good? <laughs> yeah, any of them? I mean, other than the Chip Kelly year where he was like twenty seven and the two, Super Bowl one was Minshew decent. Has looked really good. <laughs> yeah, the Super Bowl one was. It was okay. I mean, he got the job done. But I do think that you're right, and we've I we've talked about this a million times. Being able to build a team around a rookie contract is a lot better. And if you're looking at your quarterback room and you're allotting so many dollars, you're probably still set up okay. You're happy with a sixth-round quarterback and a guy who's making $88 million over the next four years. You can build around that, but I do think that if you're going to keep a guy like Jalen Ramsey around and if you can get somebody to come in and, and take Nick Foles off your hands, then okay, let's wash our hands of that deal. We have our quarterback in place, but also... Like Connor said, it's been four games. Let's see what we have with Gardner Minshew before we build our future and plan around him. That passer rating through four games is like a record high. It's impressive. Yeah. Against four good – well, kind of four good defenses. Kansas City, Houston, Tennessee, and Denver, pretty decent defenses that he's seen so far. So maybe it is real. Maybe I was wrong about Gardner. We'll we'll find out. Yeah, we'll get to that in the next uh, in two segments, actually. All right, Saquon Barkley continues to defy the odds. I don't understand genetically how this is a real human being. High ankle sprain two weeks ago. Today, he's the walking boot is gone, number one, which I don't know how that's even possible. And then he's out running around cutting. Is Saquon actually going to play? And secondarily, should he? 
play. That's the key. That's where I actually get hung up. I don't have him on any of my fantasy teams, so I'm not like rooting for, oh, I need the points. The Giants are two and two. They're one game back basically in the NFC East, which I don't think anybody thought they were going to be there. Do you play Saquon Barkley this early? I do risk. They they won without him last week. I don't know if you risk it. I I would probably hold him out this week from what I've seen in practice. He looks pretty damn good jumping around. And I mean, he's moving very well. You could you couldn't tell he was injured, but I think I would play it cautiously this week and say, we're going to keep you limited. I know that you look great. You're running around in practice. I would hold him out from this game. And if he's still performing well, he still feels great. Then I'd play him next week. But this week, uh, I wouldn't even make it an option. They have the Vikings this week. He was supposed to be out like, what, six to eight weeks? It's been one? Yeah. He he missed one week. So I would probably sit him this week just to be cautious. This is one of the best running back prospects, Matt, you've ever seen. I think you want to play it a little bit safe early in his career, especially when you're you're kind of having a rebuild situation here. I know that your quarterback's winning you all kinds of ball games now, but I would probably hold Saquon back this week, or maybe even at, at the minimum, you're limiting his touches. Yeah, they definitely should hold him back. A high ankle sprain. I mean, the this is one of the easiest injuries to re-aggravate or make way worse. That's the problem with the high ankle sprain. But Saquon is different. It looks like he's moving around pretty well, and I wouldn't be shocked if he suits up, at least like Mello said, limited touches kind of role. I'm sure the coaching staff does not look at it as a rebuilding year. They want to win with Daniel Jones right now. That Minnesota defense is a really, really good group, so they know they need him in this game. I would not be shocked if he plays. I really would not be shocked. It's crazy if you asked me that a week ago. I'd been like, hell no. But I, I think just watching him move around, even in that short clip out, it's like, wow, he's doing everything he can to be ready for the game. One last nugget before we get to our blind review. The Vikings wide receivers are pissed. Like They're not home back. Stephon Diggs missed practice Wednesday. Then he's interviewed on Thursday. And he's like, yeah, the rumors are true. Basically, he wanted trade it. to rumors. Adam Thielen, right. Adam Thielen's like, you can't win if you can't throw the ball. Both players have seen their targets significantly reduced this year. They're just not throwing the ball very much. I, I think you can even look at the stats like Kirk Cousins. His attempts are incredibly low this year. Number one, Connor, your Jets dodged a fucking bullet by <laughs> not God. signing this guy to the fully guaranteed what contract they wanted to. Secondarily, he has regressed to a point that it's actually staggering to me how bad he has looked. And, and he was always inconsistent. He would go through waves of looking great and then waves of looking absolutely terrible. I think that's where we're at. He has three touchdowns and two interceptions this year. That is a starting quarterback in the NFL. With a Three lot of guaranteed money, money yeah. that he's getting, too. And Dalvin Cook in the backfield. It's unbelievable to me. So only 99 passes attempt this, attempted this year, again, through four games. That's astronomically low. I think they have a problem at quarterback in Minnesota. <laughs> I think that's safe to say. And you look at the way Dalvin Cook has played. You have probably the best receiver duo in the league they're just missing a quarterback here. The offensive line has played much better this year. The defense is still great. They're missing a quarterback. They tried to do it via free agency, but I'll tell you, before we get to the spring and all this stuff happens again, there's a reason why these guys hit free agency. <laughs> right. There's Another team didn't want them. So I think that's what's happening with the Vikings. I do think that they're going to be a team that is really after quarterbacks this year in the draft. I mean, Luke Falk has a higher QBR than Kirk Cousins right now. I've watched the Luke Falk games. I didn't think it could get worse. And somehow Kirk Cousins QBR is lower. So 
I don't blame them. I don't know if they trade digs. I, I don't know those guys though, that should be furious because they're getting nothing right now. They are completely underachieving and they got a matchup against the Giants secondary that they should each see 10 targets in that game. Minimum. Yeah, it is going to be fun to watch because, uh, God, the Buffalo Bills would die right now to have Stephon Diggs. So it will be very telling to watch. Let's get to blind review. Mellow Rams at Seahawks Thursday night. If you're new to the show, we record on Thursday afternoon, so we don't get to watch the game. But damn, we want to talk about it. But it doesn't matter because we already know what's going to happen. That's how smart we are here at Stick to Football. And I'll tell you, I'm very impressed with the Seattle Seahawks, what they were able to do against the Rams. They're moving the ball very well, coming away with a big win here. For Seattle, Russell Wilson looked amazing. DK Metcalf even showing up with a big catch. I like the Seahawks. I think they might even have to be a favorite in the NFC after this big win over the Rams. And I'll say my guy Will Disley continues to show out. And I'm so glad that the Seahawks won this week. I was worried about the Rams, but I'm glad the Seahawks got it done. Good to see Chris Carson rebound after a little bit of an inconsistent start. But, man, I I feel like the Rams, maybe we got on them a little bit too early. The Super Bowl hangover looks pretty real for Sean McVay. And, And really, anyone who's coached under Sean McVay his disciples are all struggling right now and and we see it again Seattle's a tough place to play you don't want to take anything away from that but it's good to see Disley and Carson really get rolling on offense yeah another week on the turf for Jared Goff the sack numbers are up for him this Rams offensive line has you know not been great in pass protection but he's holding on to the ball too long and after a really slow week against Arizona a vulnerable group it was nice to see DK Metcalf have that really nice deep catch down the field and get him back on the fantasy radar so Seattle this division is wide open after Thursday night football. Week six of the college football seasons here. God, we are almost to the halfway point of college football, and that is uh, it's depressing a little bit. Let's jump right into the picks. Mello and I are tied at 20 and 10. Connor, who's a week behind us, is at 14 and 6. Someone smarter than me can do the math there, but we're doing okay. We're up on the year. Number 14, Iowa, at number 19, Michigan. Michigan is favored by three and a half over under 47 and a half. Guys, I'm taking Iowa, and I'm taking the points. I don't think Michigan can score. I know Iowa's been not great this year. They've, they've actually struggled, I think, a lot. I think they get it going this week. We see A.J. Epinesa finally get into the backfield, get more than the one sack he's had this year. And I think Nate Stanley is going to show that he's a better quarterback prospect than Shea Patterson, if there's still any doubt about that. I think the Hawkeyes roll. I'm going to agree with you here. I, I think that Iowa's going to win this game too. But I'll tell you, if Iowa wins this game, we really start have, we have to talk about Jim Harbaugh. Because if you're losing games to the Big Ten West in the big house, that's not a great sign. And I know Iowa's looked great this year so far. I know that they're ranked higher. But Michigan is still the favorite here, three and a half points. If Michigan loses this game, it's going to get bad. The fan base is really going to start to get pissed off. I think the one saving grace is that maybe we see uh, McCaffrey play a little bit more quarterback. I know I've been waiting for it. I know the Michigan fans have been waiting for it. But I'm going to agree with you here, Matt. I think Iowa wins this game in the big Yeah, Iowa for me all the way. I actually got when this opened, it was at four and a half. So I put a real life bet on Iowa. I know they're on the road at a tough place to play, but I just like their football team better than Michigan right now. Simple as that. Yep, they are tougher, and sometimes that's just what it's all about. Number seven, Auburn, minus two and a half at Florida. Your over-under is 48 and a half. I don't understand this line. I don't think Kyle Trask has been terrible, but I also don't think he's been that good. The Auburn defensive line should should completely control this football game. I think we say we see uh, Perrin and all of the Florida offense really get shut down this week by Derrick Brown, 
by Nick Coe. I'm kind of a Bo Nix believer. I think Auburn can score enough points to cover this spread and get the win. I might go on the under. 48.5 seems a little high in this one. Yeah, I'll tell you, I've been back and forth on this game. Uh, it feels like a million times. I could see Florida winning this game with Kyle Trask at quarterback. I actually like him probably more than Felipe Franks, which isn't saying a whole lot. But I think that he's got potential. He's been moving the ball very well. He's athletic. He's a big guy, too. I would not be surprised at all if Florida wins this game at home. But I do think you're right. It's very hard to bet against that Auburn defensive line. Because until they really get tested when they see a you know, school like LSU or Alabama I think that they're going to roll over opponents because they can shut down the run and they can get after the quarterback. And if you can do those two things, it's very hard to score the football. That's little coaching 101 for you guys there. So I'm going to agree with you. I'm taking Auburn on the road. Very tough to win in Gainesville, but I think that Auburn can yeah, do it. Yeah, 48 and a half seems a little high. I think this is going to be a, a defensive game all around. I don't have much belief in either of these offenses right now, considering they are top 10 teams. I'm going with Auburn all the way. I think they have the better group on the defensive line that makes the difference. Yeah, I think this weekend we start to see some separation in these top 10 teams, and that, that's one game that'll do it. Number 25, Michigan State has to play in Columbus, Ohio at number five. I don't know how the fuck they're number five. Ohio State minus 20 for the Buckeyes over under 48 and a half. Take the over. Take the points. Ohio State is going to crush Michigan State. And I like Michigan State. I like Joe Bochy. I like Kenny Willekes. But my God, Justin Fields is unstoppable. This is a great scouting game. I do think that Ohio State is going to win. But this is the best defense that Justin Fields has seen so far. They, they should be very solid on Michigan State's end. So we'll see what they can do. I do think that Ohio State wins this one pretty easily. Ohio State alone might put up 48.5 points, so I'm going to smash that They're over score half. <laughs> as well. I mean, the, they will probably get to 49. Would not be surprised at all. So I'm, I'm taking Ohio State. I'm taking the over in this one. Should be at least a fun game to scout. Um, I don't know that Michigan State has anybody that can stop Chase Young, so good luck putting up points. You struggle against Arizona State. Now you have to face the best defensive player in the Yeah, nation. Michigan State's front seven they could stop the run game so this game is going to be put in the hands of Justin Fields getting out of the pocket and throwing the ball but I have no concerns there they'll be fine Ohio State all the way Cal at number 13 Oregon I think over I think Oregon is overrated Hurry. this line is minus I don't 18 the over under 46 I actually don't either and I was started to say this to you guys before the show I'm picking Oregon but I could see this being an upset because I think Cal's defense is very underrated I think Oregon's offense is very overrated so keep an eye on this game as a potential upset I don't have the nuts to pick Oregon as Mello likes to say but I wouldn't be shocked if Cal wins uh, and I think this is going to be a close game. I'm going to roll with the Ducks here because I love their offensive line still. I think they can win despite Justin Herbert in this game because I do think there's going to be some turnovers. I really like the Cal defense. You guys talked about the linebacker that they have earlier who's like has a million tackles. Is it Weaver? Weaver. I always yeah, get him Weaver. and the Utah State guy get mixed up in Woodward. But I do think this is going to be a close game. I would probably take the under, and there's no way in hell Oregon wins this by eight. Yeah, I feel like a coward for picking Oregon in this game, but I do think they win. I just can't get over this line of 18 points. We're out here saying that Oregon is going to beat this Cal team. That's been The defense has been very, very impressive by two, touch, uh, two touchdowns and two field goals. Almost three touchdowns. Like, what? Where is this number from? And if they cover it, I mean, good for them. I'm betting against that. But I'll take Oregon. Last one, guys. 
next one, number 15, Washington, minus 16.5 at Stanford. God, Stanford has fallen this year. The over-under is 51.5. Jacob Eason has been close to perfect this year. Stanford, they do have our guy Paul Sanadibo at corner. That's going to be a nice little matchup to see those two, but I think Eason probably just avoids him all game. We've seen the arm talent for him. The only question I have about this one is it's on the road. It's in Palo Alto. That could be a very tough place to play. I still love David Shaw, but I'm picking Washington. I would just stay away from the line in this one. I don't feel like this is one of those games you bet on. Yeah, I'm going to take Washington, but I don't think it's going to get out of hand. Not, not the 16 and a half. I do think that we might see two touchdown difference here or a double digit win from Washington, but they have one great player this year, and, and that's Paulson Adebo, and he plays corner. Scheme around him. Don't throw to his side yeah. of the field. Run the, the opposite field, way. Whatever you have to do, you can take him out of the ball game. It's not like he's a linebacker or a rush end or anything like that. So I am going to take Washington. I do want to see Jacob Eason. He's not playing at midnight here, Central Time. So that'll be a nice look for Washington and the Huskies. Yeah, I think this uh, Washington secondary is the real deal, and they should eat the Stanford passing game alive. Now, what I will say is the only defense we've seen Eason struggle against this year was Cal. So can Justin Herbert step it up and have a big game against a defense that has, you know, fared well against a pro prospect. I don't know, but it'll be very interesting to see in terms of this game, Washington rolls all the way right over Stanford. All right, boys, we all agreed on these five games, which is kind of boring. So let's spice it up a little bit here. The super underdog locksmith game of the week to bet your money on. Cause I don't have the nuts to bet my own money on. I'm going Cincinnati over your favorite school, UCF, (laughs) the national champions. They're playing on Friday night in Cincinnati. I don't know if you gentlemen have had the chance to look at that Cincinnati football field. They painted that motherfucker black. Yeah, They're going to get a blackout in Cincinnati. I like their odds. Cool weather. Florida team coming up to Ohio. I like Cincinnati. Put your money on it. I don't have any money. I don't have the nuts to do it, but you should. We are going to spice up your top five this week. You're going to get the top five rookies so far in the NFL season, but we wanted to go a little bit farther than just yelling five names at you. We're going to call out ourselves a little bit here. We're going to put the nuts on the table and say, hey, these are the top rookies, and this is where we had them graded. So a little bit of accountability time here at Stick to Football. I'll kick us off with my top five guys. Uh, We're going to go five through one. I don't know if we talked about that before the show, but here we go. Number five for me, Josh Allen, uh, drafted by the Jacksonville Jaguars. I had him at number three overall. I think he's been everything that they hoped that he could be so far this year. A weapon, really, in all three phases of the game, which is what we saw at Kentucky. He's getting after the quarterback. He's making tackles. I, I look at him and I wonder how the hell the Oakland Raiders drafted Cleveland Furl over him, who's been very, very quiet so far this year. So I think we've only seen the best to come for Josh Allen. He looks really, really good. So I feel like th- that one I got pretty, pretty right on. Number four, I got Brian Burns, who just won Defensive Rookie of the Month for September. He has looked fantastic. I had him 17th overall. So maybe a little bit early on him or a bit a little bit low, excuse me, on Brian Burns, respective to how good he's looked so far. The speed, the length, the hand usage, they're all there for him. And his lean build has not been the issue that I really thought it would be. That was my my only question mark about him was, did he have the power to make an impact in the NFL? He definitely has. Chase Winovich, the guy who I gave my rookie of the, the month vote to on the Wednesday show, he has three sacks this year. I had a round two grade on Winovich uh, and someone who I should have moved up, especially after our interview with him, because I, I really loved his mentality. He tested okay, but not great. And I, I think that 
honestly, like what got in my head was I felt like he had so much talent around him that maybe some of those guys were scheming him open. You know, like defenses would focus on a Rashawn Gary and Devin Bush, and he kind of got left at times. But his production so far, albeit in like a rotational role, has been very, very impressive. He looks like a steal for the New England Patriots where they got him in round three at pick 77 overall number two the man the mustache Gardner Minshew I had a round sixth grade on this dude just did not think that I can actually read my scouting report I said that he had great leadership great character great intelligence but he was small and didn't have a big enough arm to ever be more than like maybe a spot starter in the league he has outperformed that as we said earlier in the show His passer rating is record-setting for a a player in their first four games. He has looked tremendous. And then the number one player, Scary Terry McLaren, I had a round two grade on him, but I had a low round two grade, not like pick 33 or anything. But he has been... He's been a vision, man, and I liked Paris Campbell more than him. If you told me or asked me a month ago, hey, which Ohio State receiver looks better so far, I would have said Paris Campbell is who I would have put my money on, but Terry has just been special getting open down the field. Sucks he's a little bit banged up now. Hopefully we see him bounce back from that quickly because I I think he's probably your front runner. Well, no, Gardner Manchin would get rookie of the year because he plays quarterback, Mm -hmm. but McLaren would be your offensive rookie of the year right now. Yeah, and that's why I'll start with my list here. A lot of the same guys, only one difference. I'm going Brian Burns at number five. I really liked him coming out of Florida State. I love this edge class that we had last year. I had him as the number five edge rusher, though. I thought Montez Sweat. I like Cleveland Furl a lot better. Uh, Bosa, Allen. I really liked all those guys. But I was a little bit low on him, but I still really liked him, even at pick 17 here. I, I was on board with that pick, and he has outperformed because I remember watching his early tape at Florida State and being like, this guy probably weighs 225. That's not going to play in the NFL. But he put on weight, and he plays well with it too a lot of guys can come into the combine they'll put on weight so they can weigh in they won't run he's held up very well with this weight he's playing great two and a half sacks already so he's at number five for me chase winovich we all should have been higher on him i think we flirted a couple times with putting him in the first round with some of our mock drafts turns out he probably should have went there just 32nd overall to the patriots they shouldn't have waited for him but he has played outstanding He's, he's a perfect fit for that scheme and what he's doing, I, I think that he's a guy who's going to keep playing at a high level with the Patriots, and I love what he's doing. Next guy for me, I'm going Devin Bush, who I had as linebacker number two right behind Devin White. I love his athletic ability, and after the first week or two in Pittsburgh, it kind of looked like maybe he wasn't ready for the NFL level. It, but I really think that this is catching on for him now. He looks a lot better in coverage. He's leading all rookies in tackles, I believe. I should probably double-check that. But I really like the fit here with Devin Bush. I like the way that he played at Michigan. I think he's going to fit in just fine uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Number two for me, it's got to be Gary Terry. I, I loved him coming out of Ohio State. I remember seeing him at the Senior Bowl. Everybody was talking about... Uh, Isabella, everybody was talking about that, Penny Hart, and these are going to be great, exceptional slot guys, and it was like, wait a second, who's this guy who's dominating? Because we're not talking about him enough, and it was Scary Terry McLaren, who has been exceptional. The Redskins pick him up in the second round. Looks like a genius pick right now. Hopefully he does get healthy, because when he is on the field, he looked like their number one receiver. He had five catches, 125 yards in his first NFL game. 
five catches, 62 in the next with a touchdown, six catches for 70 yards in his third game. Touchdown in every game. I hope he gets healthy. Him and Dwayne Haskins mm. working together could be very impressive because they already have that camaraderie, that timing. And number one for me, I'm going with Gardner Minshew. This team needed a quarterback. We talked about it all offseason, and they got one with pick 199, which is a pretty special draft place, especially when you're replacing a veteran quarterback who took his team to a Super Bowl and now injured. I think I've heard this story before. I just don't <laughs> recall it. But I love what Gardner Minshew's doing. We will see if he can hold up over time or if this is just a flash in the pan. Once people get some tape on him, defensive coordinators might learn how to shut him down or he's just going to keep balling out like he has been. So Gardner Minshew, number one for me, probably is going to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. Yeah, he's been insanely impressive. So impressive that I actually left him off the top five because I think he is the undisputed top rookie so far. And I think it's a little easier when you're statistically to lead the pack as a quarterback. So Gardner would be my undisputed number one. I actually had him in this late, late sixth round. So he is blowing away expectations. But number five for me on my non-quarterback list, Chase Winovich. I actually got him right in there at 32nd overall. I Like Matt said, enjoyed talking to him so much. Uh, just thought he was very athletic on film. He's been very good so far, already three sacks in, in New England. I love what Chase Winovich could do, and I think he's going to be a part of their defense for a very long time. And number four, this is an underrated one. Hollywood Brown actually has more receiving yep. yards than Scary Terry already, but there's only so many targets on the table. That week they beat the Dolphins. I think he played eight snaps because they they don't want him to get hurt again. They don't, don't want to run him into the ground. I, I love the steps Lamar Jackson has taken this year, but he's not this top five pocket passer in the NFL right now where Hollywood Brown's going to get all those targets. So for Hollywood, he's been phenomenal already. The amount of receiving yards that he's had. Devin Bush, like Melo said, a slow start. But Devin Bush, for me, a three after that Monday night football game where he looked phenomenal. He's been a tackling machine. He is the guy now that the Steelers traded up for because he just need to get his feet wet a little bit and, and get comfortable in the middle of that defense, handle a lot of roles. But he's a great player, such a reliable linebacking presence in the middle that can blitz really well that we saw Monday night. So I, I love Devin Bush and think he's only going to get better throughout this season. Number two for me, Brian Burns. I, I had him ninth overall. I had Devin Bush eighth overall. And I should have said I had Hollywood Brown 35th overall. So you can kind of see these were all guys that were in that top 40 that are teams are getting instant returns and there's been a lot of guys in the top 40 that teams haven't Quinton Williams has been hurt Cleveland Farrell hasn't been that good Devin White's been hurt so it's nice to see these guys contributing like Brian Burns who just was the defensive rookie of the month top 10 player for me great pass rusher I think if you don't get your hands on him he'll beat you because he's so quick he could bend at his size like Melo said he put on the weight to play at the next level as a three down player and the instant returns have been great Number one for me, I had Scary Terry, 68th overall, and I think you can make the argument right up there with Gardner Minshew that he's been the best rookie so far. I know missing a game sucks, not only for him, but for the stats, but for how much he has outperformed the draft slot that he was taken in. He's in an awful situation. There were a ton of receivers drafted ahead of him. I think Scary Terry looks like the real deal, whether it's winning vertically, winning underneath. We know he can contribute on special teams. He is a great player, and he's somebody that I feel like I really didn't value enough in this year's class. It's early. like It's too early to say, like, oh, we missed on... Terry McLaurin, because yeah. I had him at I had him at sixty six. So it's I think it's too early to say that, but it's not too early to learn lessons. And I can't remember if I said this on the podcast or if I just said it to Mello. My 
my scouting resolution this year is to not let anyone talk me off my spot with guys because there were so yep. many players that happened to me last year. Like I would have an opinion about a guy and then scouts would be like, no, 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 no. Like the, here are all the reasons why. And you're like, well, Winovich was one. He was one because I, I, I don't want to say like, oh, I had him so high, but I, I had him pretty high until, until scouting, you know, like scouting combine season. So that is my, my resolution this year. I aim for transparency with this show and with everything I do. It's like no more, no more letting scouts talk me off my spot on guys. So those are our top five rookies and also where we evaluated them. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to close this out with some draft on draft. Draft on draft time, and this is a great question. TMR Troopers wants to know, do you think the current Alabama wide receiver group will have a better NFL career than the 2012 Clemson group? That was a loaded room with Sammy Watkins, DeAndre Hopkins, Martavis Bryant, Adam Humphreys, Jerron Brown, and even Sharon Peak. I think oh yes. God. Yeah, and I think what sits, sets them apart, you look at the Alabama group, they might have three receivers right now in this draft class go round one. They might have three to four receivers on this team that are number one targets for an NFL team. I truly believe that Judy will be a number one receiver on whichever oh, team yeah. drafts him. I also think Henry Ruggs will be. I really like what he's doing at Alabama. I think that a lot of people were just taking it in Judy and looking at him, but Ruggs is legit. And guess what? Devontae Smith, he's coming on strong too, where I told people uh, he's probably like a second or third rounder. I did a mock draft on my own. I had him in the first round. It's. I think he's going to accelerate uh, his draft stock. I think that he's going to get a lot more targets. Uh, apparently very good at rock, paper, scissors. Right. And then sophomore, true sophomore Jalen Waddle, he could be another guy who's a number one receiver at the NFL level. I don't think we've ever seen anything like what we're seeing at Alabama. That Clemson group was special. Sammy Watkins, very high draft pick, but I still think he's a number two receiver at best, even after having a, a great week one this year and playing for my Kansas City Chiefs. But I still think that this Clemson group had one true number one, DeAndre yeah. Hopkins, who might be the best receiver in the na- in the league right now. But you look at Alabama, they might have four. I should probably take a look at the freshman that they brought in because uh, that is a special what's group. What's his name, Michi? Yeah. They love uh, – yeah, John Michi. They believe that he's like the next one. I, I think it's easily Alabama because like, I've, I've said it. Judy's the – if it's not – if he's not the best receiver I've ever evaluated, it's Julio Jones. And they're they're really just different species of wide receiver. Like you said, Mel, Sammy Watkins, I loved Sammy. He was my top receiver in that class. He has not performed up to being the number four pick in the draft and a, a player that a team traded up very highly for. So, uh, no, and like Martavis Bryant, that was a flash in the pan, but he couldn't stay on the field. So I, I don't think it would be that hard for these Alabama guys to have better careers than that Clemson group. There's yeah. a lot of big names. But there's not a lot of production. And they might not live up to the DeAndre Hopkins. But I do think that as a floor, you look at Ruggs and Judy, I think they will at least be Sammy Watkins in the NFL. Yeah, I'm not ready to say that anyone will be Hopkins, but I think collectively, especially when you do mix in somebody that's not draft eligible like Waddle, that that Alabama room right now as a collective will be better than that Clemson group. And I think you almost have to weigh it against the current Clemson group because I think T Higgins and Justin Ross can be NFL number one wide receivers. They're absolutely phenomenal. So I look at Judy. uh, He's really good. I'm not going to get into the game that a lot of people are right now. Is Judy even the best receiver on his own team? Yes, he is. is. That's the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard. I love rugs. 
You know, I love what we've seen from Smith. They're great players. They're not Judy. They're, and watch watch teams sell out against Judy at times. They know, they're like, we're not going to let this guy beat us because he beat everyone else that let him. So when it comes down to it for me, I, I think the Alabama group will be better than that Clemson group. The real question is, will anyone be as good as Hopkins and the guy that has a chance? Here's the thing. I, I'm going to go down a rabbit hole because that pisses me off. Devonta Smith had a great game. I don't think Devonta Smith is a great wide receiver yet. Like Melo said, he has the potential no. to become one. Jerry Judy won the Blitnikoff last year when dudes were breaking catch records. He was still like he had 68 catches. Like, this is by far the best receiver in college football, hands down. Yeah, and you know, these guys are getting looks. They're getting targets because people know you have to shut down Jerry Judy. You're going to have to bracket yep. him over the top. He's taking two defenders. He's very special. Uh, he doesn't have Ruggs' speed, but Ruggs doesn't have that route running and the control of his hips and the hands that Judy has. It's a very special group. You can like all of them. Uh, yes. That's that's a little insider trick there. Yeah. Oh, you can actually like more than one player. Right. Jeremy Godden wants to know, when it comes to building a defense, what do you feel needs to be the strongest part, the front seven or the secondary? So I actually uh, thought a lot about this today because I, I don't have anything else to do. I think it is easier to find pass rushers than it is to find corners. So like it, to find a great pass rusher, it, it, not to say that it's easy, but I feel like it's an easier scouting process of like, guess what? Chase Young is really good. I feel like finding corners, even when you can identify them correctly, they just don't come along very often. Look at last year. The only, the only corner drafted in the first round was DeAndre Baker, and he's looked like shit so far this year. So I, I think it's harder to find a good corner. I would rather have a great secondary that can cover for six seconds and let me manufacture a pass rush like New England. I'll throw third-round picks like Chase Winovich at you. I'll throw undrafted free agents like Rob Nikovich at you all day long. Or Kyle Van Noy, who the Detroit Lions didn't want. I feel like you can find athletes who can get after the quarterback if your coverage is good enough. Yeah, I agree with you, and I coach secondary, so I love the safety position. And I think if you're looking at this from an NFL standpoint— I actually think the secondary is more important because, like you said, it is a little bit easier to maybe find guys that you can plug and play at that edge rusher position. Uh, you can mix them up with getting some D-tackle pressure and things like that. So I, I'm going to say in the NFL, it's just so pass-happy that the secondary is probably going to be the more important. Uh, maybe I'm a little bit biased there because I love safeties. I think with the way the rules are, I, I go the other way. I would rather have a great front seven. I, I just think even the great corners in today's NFL can't play the position the way they should be allowed to. They'll get flagged. They'll get beat eventually. It's just the way the game's designed. I'd rather have the premier pass. I would rather, let's ask it like this. Would you rather have Khalil Mack or Jalen Ramsey? I don't know. That's a tough one. <laughs> I'd rather yeah, have I like. Mack. I mean, I love both. Like, it's... Yeah. Or whoever right. you think the I think it's Ramsey. Is. I, I just think, I, I for me, I'd rather have the premier pass rusher because now they get called for roughing the quarterback nonstop, so it's almost evening right. out at this point. You can't play any defense. I just think you can't play any pass. All right, let's switch game. it up. A fun one. It is uh, Spooktober, as I like to call it. The Spooky season. Spooky season. Jeremy Brown wants to know, what is the scariest movie of all time? I'm a scary movie like nerd. I love scary movies. Like if like whether it's with my kid or my girlfriend, like that's what we do. We watch Jesus. scary movies. Emmett is five years He's old. Six now. Thank six you. years old. Uh, yeah. yeah. 
Has Emmett seen The Shining? <laughs> he was in it. <laughs> yeah, he was. Yeah, we, he walks around going red rum. Uh, I think I, I have two answers for this. I don't. I feel like old scary movies aren't scary. You know, it's like The Exorcist is fucked up, but it's not scary. The one movie that I've seen recently that actually like affected me was The Strangers because that shit could happen. Like, I don't need scary people in like burlap sacks. The scariest line in that movie is like, I don't even remember because like, I've watched it once yeah. and it was years ago. And they're like, why would you do this? Because you were home. Exactly. That shit's Fucked terrifying. me up. Yeah, that's a good one. And then Insidious <laughs> was really scary, too. I don't think the I saw that one. The second one got bad. Like, it got, like, hokey. The first one was good. Yeah. This but, was, a, like, in one of my replies oh, you to want me to stop now? Okay. <laughs> and a lot of people were saying Hereditary. That movie was dumb. I haven't watched it. I haven't seen I'll any tell you these. the trailer scared the shit out of me. I even tweeted out Wednesday night. I was like, I'm feeling brave. Give me a scary movie. Nope. I watched this trailer and I was like, I'm not ready. My, <laughs> not brave. My daughter tried telling me Hereditary is like the scariest movie ever. So we watched it right when it came out. We rented it at home. I turned it off halfway through. It was like, this movie's dumb. Really? Like it's just, and I don't turn movies off. I'll watch anything. I will throw out two uh, that were not paid by Netflix. The Haunting of Hill House, a great series that's scary. Yeah, it's not scary, though. There are scary parts. There are jumpy parts. And then uh, we started watching this French show, Marianne, and it's good. Somebody tweeted that one at me. Yeah, too. it's really good. So those are my those I, are the Maddie Mills. I would like to disagree with you though. The first time I saw The Exorcist, and maybe it was because I was young, that movie scared the fuck out of me. You were like six years old. Yeah, but it was very scary. When she at the starts time. masturbating with the cross, like that's just. Can you long. say that on a podcast? I, I don't know. We'll so. find out. I used the technical term. Well, yeah, <laughs> let it rip. Spoiler: uh, We don't have a boss, man. <laughs> I'm not a big scary movie guy, but my favorite. And I don't think it's scary, but it's a great movie. Would be The Shining. Mm-hmm. I thought the Saw, all the Saw movies were pretty good. Eventually, got old after like yeah. four and five. It's like how many times can we do this? But man, you guys keep up with a lot more. There's nothing me. to do in the Midwest. I don't know any. Of yeah, that's movies. that's what we have. People uh-huh. go on hay rides and they watch scary movies. That's yeah. it. Now we grew up watching them. I remember being five years old watching Nightmare on Elm Street and not being able to sleep for like a week, and my mom telling our dad like, maybe we shouldn't have done that. Yeah, that was a baby. That was a good one, too. <laughs> that, that one's good. Oldie, but a good goodie. At Terps243, who's the best college player who never played a down in the NFL? The the uh, first oh, wow. one that comes to mind for me is Tommy Frazier because I've talked about him yes. before. That was like the first guy that I was like, holy shit, college football is awesome. So I would say Tommy Frazier or Charlie Ward. Uh, because I think that he was a little bit before mm. his time. Dude was a basketball star for Connor's Knicks. I really would have liked to see what he could have done in the NFL. I know that he was probably a little bit short for the position, and, and people weren't ready for that at the NFL. You had to be like 6'5", 230. It just wasn't that time. I really liked Charlie Ward at Florida State. I liked him as a Nick even. So yeah. Heisman winning quarterback, I would have loved to have seen him play. And so like I wanted to say, like, oh, Scott Frost, but he was actually drafted. Eric Crouch yep. was drafted as well. Uh, you took two good ones. How about Jeff Samarja? Oh, yeah. That'd Ended be up pitching, one. but he was a great, great receiver answer. at Notre Dame. Great I thought he answer. could have been a first-round receiver. Oh, yeah. Um, but but then decided to be a pitcher and make a hell of a lot more money. I loved him at Notre Dame. I hate him as a baseball player. Really? Probably because he was a giant. He, he was awesome. Yeah. Oh, at Notre Dame. Like he he caught He yeah. made Brady Quinn a first round everything. pick. <laughs> they had a really good receiving. <laughs> right. That's 100% yeah. right. He did. Oh my god. Samarja so was great and he's kind of tailed off. I know he had a good bounce back season this yeah. year, 
but he got that giant contract. Yeah, and he's okay. Was just he made the right average. decision. Though. Oh, for sure. He did. Yeah, he did. And he a lot of people did. were hating on that decision at the time. They thought that he should play football. Yeah. Yeah. So many, so many good stories there. Great you, question. You know a random fact? Did you know that Billy Bean was recruited by Stanford to replace John Elway, but he was drafted in the first round by the Mets and played baseball instead? Yeah. He yeah. was a great high school quarterback. He should have went to Stanford. Career probably would have right. been different. Man, he you like you're getting recruited to replace John fucking Elway. Well, he drafts better than John Elway. That's for damn He could sure. probably find a better quarterback than John right. Elway. <laughs> Maybe he should cross And around. on a discount budget, too. Right. Andrew Magnuson with our last question. The 2020 draft class is loaded with offensive skill players. Out of the quarterbacks, running backs, and receivers, which position do you expect to see the most shakeup near the top between now and April? I don't think there will be a change at my top quarterback or wide receiver. And at running back, I have Swift and Taylor tied. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For me, it's wide receiver by a mile. I yeah. can see like two through seven changing. Right, receiver. that's what I was going to say. Even with the yes. quarterback, too. Yeah, not Judy. I'm pretty solid on Tua. I have Swift and Taylor tied. And then Judy, I want to see what happens with starting at position number two, really, because that's where the shakeup is. I guess you can call that at the top. The number one guys are pretty locked in right now. I, I don't see a change. T Higgins. Do you? I really like T. T Higgins. CD Lamb. Yep. C.D. Lamb, those guys. I are was watching great. him the other day. He reminds me of DeAndre Hopkins. That's what I comped him as oh. so much. Well, yes. <laughs> so I was watching T. Higgins bigger. though, and somebody I was like, I can't get a comp for this guy, and somebody said A.J. Green, and it made me like Higgins more. They're about the same size, yeah. But C.D.'s not. I guess he's like just built differently than Nuke. He is. He's a little bit slender. What he's like six foot one eighty five, probably one eighty nine. Okay, so a little bit bigger, but still, I, his hands, out. Uh, the catch that he made against, I think it was UCLA last year on the sideline, yep. that was, I mean, Odell Beckham, He's he's got some hands. I think he's faster than what he looks running He's not routes. very fast, though, I don't think. Yeah, I think. Yeah, he looks like a 4 five, yeah. 5 So that might hold, hold him back, especially if you're only weighing in at 189, but I do really like him. I'm down on LaVisca Chenault. Are you? Say it. Well, well, he's got a shitty quarterback. I think, like, I think the hype just got out of control. That was probably my fault. Okay. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> I appreciate you. I, I really it. like him, but they just they use him in a lot of different gadgety ways to get him the ball yeah. with like jet sweeps, screens. You know, like Steven Montes? Put him in a wildcat. I think that he's going to have to really learn how to run routes in the NFL, but he's so athletic. He's so big. People even comparing him to Julio Jones if you look at the right places. So I, I like Shane Alt a lot. I like Higgins. I like Lamb. This receiver group is going to be very special. Don't forget about Tyler Johnson. Henry Ruggs, Donald who is Peter probably Jones. the best receiver at Alabama. Jesus, I'm going to struggle you. <laughs> I have a, a Chenault high, hot take. I would move him to running Ooh. back. Oh. He, he's 6'2", so he's just short enough. Just. One more inch, and you're not playing running Unless back. Unless you're Derrick Henry. But, man, he's, when, he's so good with the he ball is. in his hand. I don't know if he's that fast. I think that he is. I think he's he's got... <sighs> I think yeah. he is. Oh. The kick right, return, yeah, the punt return. Line. I mean, he's running away from play, p- people. He's a, probably a long strider. I really think that he's one of the best athletes in this class. Even if it doesn't show up in the 40, I think it will on tape. That's, I guess I should say, I don't know if his 40 yep. will be great. I, I agree. He's agile. His change of direction is really good. I don't know what his 40 will be. All right, that's a weird wide receiver discussion to end the show with, but that's how we do it. Monday will be just me and Mello coming uh, to you from Arrowhead, where the last time we were there, I ended up in the ER. So it'll be a fun oh. day 
We can tell that story. We're never expensive. We're expensive never cab ride for that. Eleven thousand dollar cab ride, but it was fun. <laughs> I was on a stretcher doing the hook 'em horns, and you, oh, there, you can't put a price tag on that. Okay, <laughs> you can't. Eleven thousand so dollars. Yeah, the they, did. they did. Yeah, they did. They yeah. did, folks. They cut my chief's hoodie off me. I was nervous buying a new one. Like, please, you're gonna get don't fired before this, this podcast yeah. makes there. Yeah, probably so. All right, that is our show. We'll talk to you Monday morning live from Arrowhead. Mm-hmm.